Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of my favorite ordinary fall things are snuggly sweaters, crisp, cool evenings, and digging all my boots back out of the closet again. And a few of mine are apples from the local orchard, the cashmere sweater I found at a thrift store, and the first fire in our wood stove. We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. So, Chrissy, you know I love pop culture. Like, I really love it. It's so fun. It's so interesting. Especially in these weird days, it's curious to me how coronavirus has been the great equalizer in some ways. And I simply mean this. You have had to adjust to your hair experience, (laughs) as you have referred to many times during the last six months. So Christy usually has a short pixie cut and it has, let's just say your hair has flourished. It has flourished (laughs) on your head during this time. Not the word I would use, but okay, (laughs) yes. But you know, like celebrities, musicians, world leaders, Martha Stewart, they too have had to experience the outgrowth, the unrefined and unrestrained personality of their hair in its complete natural, uninhibited by hair dyes or scissors (laughs) beauty. It's the great equalizer. And it's been fun to watch. There's something so humanizing, Mm -hmm. seeing that all of us have experienced similar things. And my sons, who could get their hair cut by their father, are embracing this very wild and woolly Bush is the only (laughs) word I can describe growing off their heads. It's so weird to me. And it turns out they have very, very curly hair. Did not know that. Comes from Peter. Where am I going with this? So another interesting curly-headed, red-headed fellow who is often in the public eye that we, well, I won't say we, I love his music, old Ed Sheeran, who I've just loved for years. I think his music is poetry. It's why I like it so much. And I think A lot of us love him because he's kind of the everyman, you know, he's us. He just seems really ordinary. He plays Wembley Stadium, a guy and his guitar and that hair. Like, that's it. (laughs) That's how he shows up. I just love that about him. But I was watching an interview with him this week, and he made the most interesting statement, Christy, that just blew me away. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. I shared it on Instagram, and I kicked off sort of a chain reaction as I started thinking about our conversation today. And this is what he said. He was talking about social media, and he famously has gone off social media for long periods at at a time, like stretches, like year at a time. And I actually looked him up before this interview. The last time he posted was in September of last year. And then he just posted again, and now we're in October. So like over a year it's been since he shared anything on social media. And in this interview, he was talking about how he had a friend, also a musician, a bit younger than Ed, who made this statement. The guy told Ed, I got to get off social media for a while. It's making me crazy because the other day I posted something and all I could think about is how I only got 3 million likes instead of 4 million. And all day I couldn't shake it. 
all day, I kept wondering, what did I do wrong? What have I done wrong? (laughs) And Ed shakes his head at that point in the interview and makes the statement, social media is so crazy. And I paused the video. I rewatched that like three or four times. And I thought to myself, okay, Lisa Joe, if three million likes does not satisfy your soul, then clearly your soul is made for something else. Right. <laughs> it's not made for that. Because right. Lisa Joe, I'm thinking when you said Instagram and million likes, I was thinking <laughs> it it comes in millions. I didn't even know. <laughs> like, that's a category. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's astonishing, right? That um, three million, not even one million, <laughs> like three million. And the guy felt like he, not his Instagram. So do you see the difference, friends? Like he felt that he personally somehow was empty, that he was flawed, that he had done something wrong because he hadn't received four million likes. And you have to think then, okay, so if he got four million, there's going to come a day where he feels like, why didn't I get five million? Mm-hmm. And I I mean, come on, let's be real. We've all done this. We've all posted something on Instagram that we've spent a lot of time thinking about and it's meaningful to us. And then it gets X number of likes that is dissatisfying to us, right? I mean, you've had this experience, Chrissy, even with your beautiful pictures, I'm sure. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you get annoyed with yourself and you think, why do I care? (laughs) Why do these stupid likes (laughs) have any effect on me at all? And I think it's this. I think we actually recognize there is a hunger in us, a real hunger that we're trying to fill with all kinds of things. And you've all, you know, since Sunday school heard this argument made over and over. But when I listen to Ed, who I love, whose hair I love, who, how ordinary he is, I love, how I love that he goes off social anytime he's done some big world tour because he says, I have to go live now. Like I have to find something to write about for my next mm-hmm. album. As he sat there and he described the situation, he didn't really have an alternative to offer. Mm-hmm. Like his solution was, I get off social media. Mm-hmm. But I want more than that. Like I want to understand what are we craving? Like, what what would fill me up? And so then, of course, I went to go and find the scripture verse because of how handy that as Christians, we have a God who compares himself to one of my favorite food groups, bread. <laughs> so great. Love bread so much. And I remember there's a verse where Jesus is the bread. He says, you know, I am the bread of life. And then it made me think of this old hymn, which now I think you may, I, I would imagine you've heard of. Christy, but it's called, I will raise him up. I am the bread of life. I will raise him up. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about right now? I, I don't. Every choir has sung it. Like I have a terrible musical memory, Lisa Joe. <laughs> I'm so faces and song music. It's like I have a kind of blindness. <laughs> if someone so. had like written about it in a book, you would right. remember. <laughs> I remember actually being at, I went to Notre Dame for law school, and I remember being in the Basilica, and I didn't grow up Catholic, I'm not Catholic, but man, I learned a lot, so just just a deep appreciation for the solemnity, but also the celebration with which this tradition approaches faith. And I remember the first time we were in the Basilica, and the Basilica is exactly how its name sounds, okay? It is like the fanciest church you've ever been (laughs) in in your life. It's so beautiful. And I remember being there for Easter. We were there for the entire Holy Week. We went to all the different services. I mean, you had to queue for hours to get in. Like people Mm -hmm. start lining up at like 1030 at night for the midnight service. It's crazy. 
And then on Easter morning, I remember standing in the basilica. There are just flowers bedecked everywhere. Like the place is dripping and lilies and orchids. It's so stunning after a very stark, dark week Mm -hmm. of no decoration, total solemnity, total silence after each service. Now the place is just dripping in life. And suddenly from behind us in I don't even know what you call it. There's like a balcony up at the back of the church. So you don't even see the choir. They're up there. They start singing. I brought it with me. So I'm going to play a clip of what what went through my mind when I listened to this Ed Sheeran interview. I have like tears in my eyes right now. Mm. I love this hymn so much. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. And he's talking about how he and us will be raised up on the last day. It comes from John 6, 35. Everybody's been following Jesus around asking him for bread because he famously fed 5,000 men and then all the kids and all the women, he fed them more bread than they could possibly eat. And so they're following him around, they're asking him for bread, they're waiting for the miracle, and then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I thought about that verse and that old hymn as I listened to Ed Sheeran talk, and I just, bear with me, Christy, I wondered if our cross-cultural, like every culture I know, craving for bread mm-hmm. has deeper roots than just that bread is really great. Like, Or maybe it's that Jesus knew that we have this deep craving for bread, and it's why he associated himself with bread. But it has just been in my mind so much, this thought of like, huh? There's something deeper to why I love bread as much as I do. I actually, so I love this question, Lisa Joe, because I thought when you started this conversation, I thought I knew where you were going and you have taken me to a different place. So <laughs> let me, let me explain. I, um, I was tracking with you about the craving and then I went back to, you know, childhood Sunday school years and I thought, well, I know the answer. The answer is that um, these things of the world of the flesh can't satisfy our cravings, but, you know, we know that, that you know, God can and Christ can and end of story, right? That's the simple answer. But you've sort of walked us toward a middle place and now you're talking about actual food. You're talking about bread and cravings yes. like bread. <laughs> So that is not where I expected you to go, but I'm really appreciative of that because the thing about conversation and storytelling, and I think it's why you and I practice it week after week, is that sometimes sometimes the answers we have that we hold, that we carry with us, that are true and right, sometimes they're like little shortcuts and we need to actually walk the long way around. Sometimes the shortcuts don't serve us. So I feel like 
if we're feeling empty, if we're feeling like, oh, there must be more, if we're feeling hungry, it's one thing to say, well, that hunger is made to be satisfied by God. It's another thing to say, whoa, 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 let me just, let me just walk that path and first say, I'm just hungry. And I think I'm hungry for bread. And, and then like, you know, and then follow that and then see, does it take us all the way to the answer that I believe is true, which is that Christ satisfied and Christ is the bread of life. So I'm really grateful to back up and not like jump into the overly spiritual answer right away, but to take this storytelling detour through <laughs> the real <laughs> tangible thing, which is that I love bread too. I love bread so much. <laughs> and actually, Lisa Joe, believe it or not, I had for breakfast, well, I had bread for breakfast. Um, so I, um, on Thursday, so our quarantine rhythm in our family for months now um, because we're not going to restaurants or anything like, anything like that, but we still want to support some local, um, you know, independent places in our community is that every Thursday has become carryout night for us. And especially there is this one local bakery slash gourmet grocery takeaway place that we really love. And they do a special and they've done all through quarantine, they do a special menu. It's like one menu for the week. And so on Thursdays, John and I order, you know, dinner from them. So when John goes to pick up the food, he also picks up their fresh made baguettes and their fresh made scones. So now our little Thursday night indulgence has turned into like a whole weekend <laughs> uh, extravaganza of <laughs> bakery of carbohydrates. <laughs> Because he doesn't just come home with a Thursday night dinner anymore. Now he comes home with like this paper bag full of really good stuff. So um, they make their own baguettes, which is what I had for breakfast this morning. I sliced off a chunk of the baguette. I, of course, for a moment pretended I was in Louise Penny's novel of and course. I was in Paris with gamache, <laughs> slathering my baguette with fresh butter and, um, and had it with my scrambled eggs. But the thing about a real, a real baguette, right? And some of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. Whether you've been to Paris or not, is that it has so much taste, right? I mean, it just looks like white fluff, but it has <laughs> flavor, like it tastes like something. And of course, if you slather on some real, real butter, like I really love the Kerrygold butter. I don't know if you've ever tried that. Yeah, it's it's if you put regular grocery store butter next to Kerrygold butter, they're not even the same color. And that tells you everything about how they taste. So a little <laughs> Kerrygold butter. Oh, my goodness. So good. So, yeah, that was my breakfast this morning. There is something really powerful about recognizing that even Christ himself didn't just jump to the spiritual answer. Isn't mm -hmm. that interesting? And I hadn't thought about that, how we take shortcuts in the church. And Christ went the long way around. I mean, he invited all of those people who followed him out into the wilderness. And then he said to the disciples, we have to feed them. You feed them. And then he fed them. And he fed them actual bread. He didn't just say, I'm going to pray for you that you don't feel hungry. Yeah. He was like, here's food. Here's some bread. You're going to need some. Mm -hmm. You're going to need some food. And he filled them up. And I just love that so much. I One of the things I did before this conversation is I Googled bread quotes oh. <laughs> because, because I was like, there's got to be some really good stuff out there about bread. And this one by Mahatma Gandhi, of all people, really took my breath away. He said, there are people in the world so hungry that God cannot appear to them except in the form of bread. Oh, wow. 
and that powerful. Yeah. And I think may we not overlook that. Like there are tangible needs that people have, especially in this time. And sometimes those people are us. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Christy, but one of the things I've just finally released in this season of quarantine is I think I carry in my head a very critical voice that constantly tells me at 46, you should not be eating bread every morning for breakfast. That is not healthy. I'm not going to get into a conversation now about health or diet or any of that. So let's shelve whatever's rising up in people's (laughs) minds right now. Just hear what I'm trying to tell you. What I realized was that voice is so mean and it meets me every morning with a stick that it wants to wrap over my knuckles. And I felt like I heard a different voice in this season that said, Lisa Joe, like, just come to me. You're hungry. And and by that, I mean, it's okay, not healthy to eat the whole baguette for breakfast. <laughs> but but there is this, there's this place of peace in recognizing that there are good things that God has given us. And I don't want to be so angry with myself. I often think about the angry voice of the scale. I don't want that voice to get to start my day. And so I have received, and it's a small gift, but it's really changed my mornings, permission to have bread, to have bread and scrambled eggs and bread and toast and sometimes just bread and apricot jam and Mm -hmm. brie cheese. Let me highly recommend this combination to people. (laughs) Or bread and avocado toast. Bread and avocado. And I love that a listener left us a comment on Instagram and said from, we talk about Thrive Market on this commercial, and I had shared about their everything but the bagel seasoning. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you got to put that on your avocado on toast. So I will definitely be trying that tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there is a reason that Christ grounds everything that he teaches in the actual physical world that we inhabit, one of those things being bread, and he names himself that. Mm-hmm. But he feeds the people the real bread first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I I think I have shared on this podcast before, but maybe not in a while, that part of our my family's story is that for 10 years, really. Yeah, a full decade. Um, we did not eat bread in our house. Uh, bread was bread was like the forbidden, I don't know. It was like, it was like more than that. It was like an enemy. Like it, it was. It was like something that could harm you almost. It was, it was. So it started when my son, my um, Thaddeus, was a baby. The whole first year of his infancy was so hard. I know you remember this because I would visit you and you would say, Christy, what is wrong with your child? Oh, he... I did not say what is wrong with your child. Oh, my goodness. I was like, Christy, oh, my goodness. That's a lot that you guys are dealing with. Because he would arrive with his whole body, like his little arms and legs, totally swaddled in wraps so he wouldn't scratch his skin off. Poor little guy. He had terrible eczema. And so over that that first year, we um, started allergy testing and we started figuring out. Uh, foods he was allergic to, um, but even once we'd figured out a number of things, he he can he still had this terrible red rash around his mouth, especially, which is so interesting, right? Like right where food goes in was showing us like something is not right here. So this terrible rash around his mouth, and um, the testing actually I think for wheat hadn't been hadn't been clear. And so I thought he was fine, but I was so desperate. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to stop all wheat and just see if that helps. And it did. That rash just disappeared. So um, essentially, fast forward 10 years, um, he, you know, yeah, 10 years. Oh, Lisa, 10 years of 
Oh, I remember going, cardboard pizzas. Yes, I mean, that's essentially yes, what they tasted like. Pizzas and anytime, you know, it was so difficult eating out. And so uh, anytime we would go to a restaurant or fast food, we'd have to be very careful to order um, a burger with no bun. And some once, oh, I will never forget this. They got the order wrong. And we explained, no, no, we need a burger without a bun. And they took the bun off and handed it back to us. And I said, I'm sorry, can you see all these bun crumbs all over <laughs> this piece of meat? <laughs> I cannot eat this. Oh, my goodness. But for the most part, yeah, people would accommodate and, um, yeah, we're understanding and helpful. And we, yeah, we didn't eat bread. We didn't eat, I would always say, real pasta, real bread. We ate, you know, other things. We ate pasta made of... Um, corn or, um, yeah, corn tortillas. Or um, we learned a lot about eating with allergies from a good friend of ours whose son also had the same food allergies. And she was the one who taught me, Christy, don't, don't try to replace the thing you're missing because it will never be as good. Instead, like celebrate the things you can eat. So she taught me how to make like certain Mexican foods that used corn, or we did a lot of like our own sushi rolls because, and those became like his sandwiches because they didn't need sandwich bread. You were rolling them up, the rice and everything in, you know, the seaweed and the nori. Um, and those are things that you eat and you don't think this isn't what it's supposed to be because you're eating the real thing as it's supposed right. to be. So that, or, you know, we ate a lot of curries on rice and things like that because not, none of that would feel like second best or fake Right. It was still, it was real mm -hmm. food, but it was real food that didn't include wheat. And so a lot of it came from cultures that used other grains like rice or corn. So that was fabulous advice. But it meant that, yeah, we just, we didn't have, um, we didn't have real bread in the house for all those years. And until <laughs> I think he got to age 10. And we knew from his doctors that that is an age where certain changes happen in the body, in the digestive system. And often it's an age where certain allergens are outgrown. So we did what is called a challenge, a food challenge. You could go to the hospital and do this like in a controlled environment. And they start out with like a little bit of powdered, whatever the food is, you know, peanut or wheat. And if you tolerate that, they like watch you for a certain amount of time and then they kind of keep upping the doses. And for Thaddeus, I think by the end, if he could eat, I want to say they were like Ritz crackers. I may be misremembering, but if he could eat a certain number of crackers and then be observed for a certain amount of time, and if there were no problems, then he would be cleared to eat wheat. So um, the day came, he was 10 and he was cleared to eat wheat. And then we had this question, if you have not eaten real bread or pizza or sandwiches on soft bread, if you've never had any of those things, and remember, he'd been diagnosed when he was a baby, right? So he, he had no memory of That's ever eating wild. any of those foods. Wild. Now you think, what do you do Ooh, first, right? Like a whole, it's like people who have not read a Louise Penny novel and they get to start at the beginning. <laughs> right. Where what do you begin? Be? I felt like it has to be momentous. But here, okay, this is the rest of the story, Lisa Joe. So for the first bread, I made homemade white sandwich bread. It was like this glorious loaf, you know, oh, golden crust tipped out of a real loaf pan and cooling on the counter on the, uh, <laughs> you know, the cooling rack, like the whole right. thing. 
no butter because he was still allergic to milk at this point, but <laughs> at least the bread. <laughs> and that was his first wheat food. And it was good. And I took a picture and I still have the pictures and he has a big smile on his face. So that was great. Um, but then a week later, Lisa Joe, he had his first McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I think my husband bought it for him. That's the I holy grail for a teenager. <laughs> and I should have had the camera out for that moment because <laughs> that was the real smile. That I will never forget. My son, like this grin that would not stop. Mom, it's my first McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> it's so great. And I'm thinking like, really, kid? <laughs> I baked bread for you. Oh, I love that so much because it speaks to how bread is more than bread. Yeah. Like that is kind of like the path we're walking. We're not taking the shortcut. Like bread does represent something. It nourishes us. But to Thaddeus in that moment, like it it represented yes, it did. like a cultural moment for him among his peers yeah. and being connected and accepted and yeah. you know, being able to step into a story he hadn't been part of exactly. before. And I understand that because as much as I love, I love a crunchy warm out of the oven baguette and butter you know what christy i'm not turning my nose up at wonder bread i'm just not like <laughs> i have memories from my own childhood i don't mean what was my mother thinking i guess back then this is just the kind of thing you did right she would make us these after school snacks and like with a total straight face <laughs> she would have wonder bread you're gonna die when i tell you this Slice of white Wonder Bread with butter. It's probably not butter. It's probably margarine or something. Oh, right, probably. Yeah. And then she would sprinkle it with just white sugar. <gasps> That's it. That's your snack. <laughs> Look at Chrissy's face right now. <laughs> I know we wonder why I have all these sugar cravings still in my adulthood. But that was just considered like, yeah, here's your after school snack. <laughs> There's something uh, about bread that is just comfort on a plate. I think that's what it is. Like, no matter how it shows up, whether it's white wonder bread with sugar on it, or last year, Peter and I traveled to Italy. Man, it was just incredible. We were in Naples, Napoli, and we ate bread there. I mean, that is like, I mean, that is like an experience of being reborn in your mouth. Like, it was <laughs> so good. And what we also discovered now, we own constantly is that, you know, every restaurant that you eat at, every pizzeria, every trattoria, like anywhere you eat, there's a huge bottle, of course, of olive oil and balsamic. And of course, this warm out of the oven bread, hunks of it. And then they pour this mixture of the two oils on the table in a plate and you dip the bread and you eat it like that. I mean, <laughs> we could have just had the bread because it's so good. You can eat like a whole loaf before your meal even arrives. <laughs> they don't even charge you for the bread. Like we think it's exciting in America if Olive Garden gives you free breadsticks. Those things aren't even real bread, I feel like. <laughs> but man, in Italy, they give you like loaf after loaf of this incredible bread and this olive oil and this balsamic. And so when we came home, my husband went out and bought like the Costco-sized version of those things and introduced it to my sons. And what's so interesting is that, you know, Pete for years has loved bread or baguettes. I'll have it, you know, if we're having pasta or whatever. But now, since coming home from Italy, he will never serve 
any baguette, even if he's just picked it up from the bakery or the deli or Walmart, without first putting it in the oven, warming it till it's crunchy, slicing it up on a wooden tray, and then putting out a platter of olive oil and balsamic. And at first, our kids were very skeptical, like, what is this? It looks so weird. Let's just say that after they experienced their first crunchy, warm bread and that mixture, now we have to actually give them each their own little plate Aww. for balsamic <laughs> and olive oil because they just like slather it around so much and get mad. Like, you finished it. I didn't get enough. Like, ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we just have loved it. And now when I eat that in that way, it is this reminder of this beautiful trip that we had last year, the two of us. And I know where we were when we had our first experience eating bread in that way. And now we do it in a totally non-fancy way at our own table with our own kids. Mm-hmm. And I think, so this may be, Lisa Joe, the most on-brand conversation you and I <laughs> have had here at the Out of the Ordinary podcast, right? <laughs> A conversation about bread, our love of carbs. But what you just described, Peter having that experience and realizing that this ordinary thing that maybe he'd been taking for granted, as many of us do, could be just with a few tweaks that are really more about paying attention and noticing could elevate that whole experience into what it always had been, what it truly was, which is like... One of the great gifts of ordinary life, which is just bread on the table. That's, I feel like, out of the ordinary. That's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> See, so basically, the bread we're on like, your table, appreciate it. We had that it. one episode about lowering your standards, and now we're like, eat more carbs. <laughs> I feel like all other podcasts are like, how to stay healthy during quarantine. And Lisa Joe uh, and Christy are like, eat more carbs. Eat more carbs. <laughs> you know, I'll share personally, Lisa Joe. So I, um, I have had different. Uh, not only the allergies with my children, but um, some different health issues that have been related to my diet. And over the years, I've I've had to really watch what I eat. I've had to be very um, do a lot of research into nutrition in order to figure out how certain foods were just not serving my body well. And um, just learned a lot over the years. And as part of that learning, which has been so good, I also have at times swung to certain extremes where. Because I felt like it was necessary for my health, I cut certain foods just out of my diet completely. So carbs, let's just say. So especially sugar, but let's just say carbs, white breads, you know, I would think of them as white breads, things like that were at different seasons of my life, things that I either ate very infrequently or almost Cut, just cut them out altogether. So there were times in my life where I did not eat pasta. I did not eat bread. Um, or if I ate bread, it was only, you know, made with certain grains. And so that's all to say, I I know that that is necessary sometimes. I know there are reasons to live that way. But I also have lived, I don't know what else to call it except except there has been a grace, (laughs) a grace for letting certain things back into my life, like the grace of Thad's healing that allowed us as a family to to share more of the same foods around the table. And grace I have experienced in my own health journey that has meant while I'm still careful about certain things, I can now sit down and have a baguette with my scrambled eggs this morning. And I think too, the reason this morning was really meaningful to me and and that I did actually, having no idea what we would talk about today, I did really sit there and appreciate that baguette. And it's because I have gone years of not letting myself eat something like that. And I, I noted this morning, look at me eating this thing that, you know, I don't eat 
baguette every day. Most days what I eat, actually, Lisa Joe, is something called Ezekiel bread, <laughs> which is very, um, my children hate it. I love it. It has no sugar in it. It has lots of um, real sprouted grains. It tastes very different from um, a white flour baguette. It's very good for you. And um, I love that that is my usual breakfast. But there was a time where that would have been the only bread I ate. And for some people, given their health you know, situations, that, that they may still be there. But I'm grateful that white bread, any kind of bread, um, is something that is a part of my ordinary life again, and something that just means more than I think it otherwise would. So for me, that's, that's bread. For someone else, it may be something a little bit different. But I don't think I ever eat bread without thinking about the gift of it. And I'm aware of that gift, I guess, maybe more so because there were years where it wasn't um, a gift that I could partake of or share with my son or or um, all the rest. So I guess this is me saying like, yeah, here you and I are saying, eat the bread, eat the carbs. But also, you know, noting that for some listeners, it may be some other ordinary thing that is going to be the special grace-filled gift for them. And bread comes in many forms, I guess. Sometimes it comes in the form of white rice. Sometimes it comes in the form of a corn tortilla, right? (laughs) Right. And I think as we kind of round the corner now, the end of this conversation of connecting the dots between bread and Christ, isn't it wonderful, though, that really what he's doing when he calls himself the bread of life is that he's comparing himself to probably one of the most ordinary, most accessible, most daily yeah, items um, in a human experience, right? And I'm sure bread in... Israel's culture back then, mm-hmm. as Jewish families broke bread together, looked nothing like a French baguette, right? right? I mean, it's a very different experience. You know, what leavened and unleavened bread, and we know it looks a lot more probably closer to, to crackers or pita bread or naan or, you know, there's all kinds of varieties, certainly not like Wonder Bread. But I do love that Jesus, the king of the universe, compares himself to something so completely ordinary and accessible. Children can run into the pantry and grab themselves a slice of bread. My sons are known to do that. They don't toast it. They don't do anything with it. They're just hungry and they grab bread as they run by on the way. And I just, I'm really moved by that. Like we have choirs that sing those songs, but at the same time, bread just lives in a completely ordinary place on our shelf. We hardly give it any thought. It's just there. It's a staple in the pantry. And how wonderful, how wonderful that that is who our God says He is. He doesn't want to be elevated up on a high, out-of-reach, don't-touch, super fancy, inaccessible shelf. He's there in the bread bin, you know? He's Mm -hmm. just, when you're hungry, come get me, is basically what he's saying. Mm -hmm. On a Sunday morning around the table, and also maybe on a Friday night. You know what Friday nights are like here at Maplehurst, Lisa Joe, and here we are recording on a Friday. So I bet right now Jonathan is downstairs prepping the dough for Friday night pizzas, which may be my favorite form of bread. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right, it's utterly ordinary and it comes in so many forms and we can receive it in so many ways and yet it is so far beyond ordinary and i think i almost think i want to say so we started this conversation thinking that maybe there was a shortcut answer like we could just say okay if social media doesn't satisfy if these you know fame doesn't satisfy these other things that we know don't satisfy the shortcut is to say well god satisfies but god knows that that might just stay a kind of intangible idea, a hard-to-access truth, right? Something we believe in our heads but don't necessarily feel in our bodies. 
And I think the receiving, the breaking of ordinary bread is his way of saying, taste, eat, you know, um, feel in your body how good I am and how much I love you. And um, is it silly? It's not silly, right? To say, I'm going to think about that when I eat my pizza tonight. (laughs) I am going to think about that too the next time I have a baguette with avocado in the morning. And I'm so grateful that God shows up and actually offers himself in the most ordinary, extraordinary way. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.